Well, hello and welcome everyone to the Mic On podcast. I'm Sean Wakimale. Although this podcast affords more people to air their views on current affairs and political issues and events of the moment, it is independent of my every weekday uh, Politics Today program and Sunday Politics on the weekend on China's television. Uh, during the week, a total system collapse caused a widespread power cuts across Nigeria. Levels of power generated in Africa's most populous country fell to zero megawatts. Connections were gradually restored throughout the day, but as we speak, the situation is still as good as bad. That's on one hand. On the other hand, has gotten Nigerians talking is the Nigeria UAE visa ban situation. You remember that a president went to the United Arab Emirates and on that trip, the president made it clear of what he wanted. He had the intention to be able to resolve the lingering crisis between both nations, uh, some of the unrest in terms of diplomatic relations, which are saying that most Nigerians are not able to travel to that country and some of the airlines and businesses also have been impaired. Nigerians who have one business or the other with the Middle East country heaved a sigh of relief when the Nigerian government broke the news that the months-old visa ban had been lifted. But in report on Friday, there was CNN quoted an official of the UAE saying that the visa ban on nigerians is still in effect so far what is going on is this a mere case of miscommunication and three um in these uh, uh very interesting times in the early stages of this government but we of course will be hearing government officials talking about this but um but we, we talk about one major issue with dovetail into other issues and the, the podcast today is going to be brisk, precise, and straight to the point. And of course, we'll get to hear from you, everyone. So let's get talking. I have today a professor of law, uh, someone who, uh, who understands the the power grid, the power electricity situation in the country, the solutions, the problems of electricity in Nigeria. Uh, he's a former chairman of the Nigerian Electricity Regulatory Commission, NARC, uh, professor of law, Dr. Uh, Sam Amadi, he joins us today on the podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Amadi, for joining us today on the podcast. It's good to have you on. Thank you. I hope you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Great, great. Um, I mean, I, I like us to, I, I like to tap into a whole lot of your knowledge base on uh, some of these issues that we have confronting us and a lot of Nigerians who are watching and listening on this podcast today, of course, will have a sense of what exactly is going on in our country. Uh, yet again, now we have a new minister of power, uh, Mr. Adebayo Adelabu, uh, whom we know is antecedent, his uh, uh, profile. He was once in the central bank, you know, he understands financial uh, issues and all of that, but how much of the power problems in Nigeria does he understand? But what really happened, this in fact is the major, major crisis when it comes to power and electricity under the Tinubu government. But give us an understanding, almost to a total power collapse in the country in the past few days. What do you make of it? Well, in 2022, we had so many of those uh, collapses, about, by some count, about nine or thereabouts, seven to nine, total collapse 
blackout. And um, the government claimed to have got 40, 400 days for the first time of no such collapse. So uh, the impression given is that um, somehow we have fixed the fragility of the grid. But we know really, too, that uh, the grid is very fragile. Um, this type of collapse tells a story about the fact that the grid has not stabilized. We're not only dealing with inadequate electricity, we're not dealing with maybe poor electricity service, including uh, billing and uh, customer care. We're also dealing with a very weak transmission and network. And so uh, the, the, the official line is that this is caused by fire around some of the networks in Niger State. Um, and they couldn't control it. But what I know is, you know, when you're bundled technically, as we did in 2000, meaning you separate generation, distribution, and transmission, the notion is that you're going to have more efficiency as each of these value chains becomes an independent sector managed by different companies. So we have the Central Company of Nigeria under the TCL. But what happens is that you need a high level of coordination aided by technology with what we call SCADA system so that you can pick troubles, early warning signals, troubleshoot fast. If there are problems, you, you move in fast and deal with them. But we are still running a very you know, low-tech grid a grid that's not looped together, radial, that means it's just lying, it's not connected. And so those fragility means that we are at the risk of sudden system failure, which is what we had now. So bottom line is we are still far from reliable electricity. We are talking about adequacy, having more capacity, having more generation of the network, having discos limited and customer, but we also are falling short of reliability, even of the grid, even the limited 4,000 or about megawatts for 200 million people. So we are energy staff, or at the same time, we don't have any, we have very low reliability because the network needs high level of technological support, needs some of them need to be scrapped and re reconstructed. And then of course, we need to have a more efficient management Interesting. So I like to get straight to the point. From your understanding of the system, that kind of disaster that happened at that uh, site, how soon do you think that we Nigerians can start having electricity? Because th that is the bottom line. That is what a lot of Nigerians want to hear. Uh, they are some of them are in uh, total blackout. Some of them are now having to buy fuel that they do not even have money to in the first place to even uh, to come by to to buy. Now they've got to now power their their house with generators powered by by petrol or diesel, as the case may be. From what has happened in that site, uh, how soon do you think Nigerians can uh, get light electricity? Well, first, uh, it, it took about 10 to 11 hours uh, before ITCL was able to resolve the crisis and then I started coming in gradually. What happens when you have a total collapse? 
then the grid picks up maybe out of the 4,000 megawatts. You can pick in the next one hour, you can pick like 100, 200, 400,000 megawatts. So keep picking. And then some areas begin to have light. Before everybody have light, I mean, everybody, meaning before you have restoration of situation before they collapse, it might even take days. Uh, so right now, I think most of the loads are back. But the question is, how do we avoid this happening? I think that we need to really depolitize power and say, you know what? There is a massive structural problem. The, the policy that's driving this sector, the National Electric Power Policy, was designed in 2000. You're talking about close to 20 something years. In 2000, now we're talking about 2023. So about 23 years, that policy needs real radical reform. Because it was done when the notion of free market was so rampant. The liberal economics was everywhere. So private sector will fix everything. We're seeing from examples from Chile, the UK, ECF will borrow the border from Egypt, what they're doing now, that there is need to rethink that policy framework. Second point is we need to have people as ministers in the power sector who have the capability, experience. They don't need to be engineers as much of fact, no. But those people who they want understands the problem, studied it, have made comments. So they hit the ground running. Uh, they would do respect the minister, might be a very smart guy, work have work in central bank, so they took over our idea. I think he's a very smart person. But what clearly is going to be an understudy for some time. He, he doesn't really matter. So the sector needs to have very strong leadership. Leadership that's not just strong in brutalizing everybody, but strong in understanding, diagnosis of the problem, and able to start implementations that are durable and effective. And third, I think that the government should see electricity supply as critical to any economic recovery and economic growth in the sustainable. I mean, it's going to be difficult for any economy with this level of epileptic or to grow at 7% consistently for, let's say, decades or more. That's what we need. And that needs to overcome the deficit of the last eight years and to begin to, you know, aspire to get to medium economy. So with that level of economic growth, with a level of human development deficit, poverty, that we need to quickly stop people sliding to poverty and see if we can get more out of poverty. As of today, the World Bank estimating about 95 to maybe 100 million people is strictly for Nigeria, and about 7 to 10 million people in the last six months since 2003 that got into poverty, extra poverty. So, so the, the rate of, if you look at the global poverty clock, Nigerians are moving faster than even Ethiopia. Ethiopia is moving at faster than Nigeria is moving in faster. So it's not about the quantum of poverty today, it's about the rate of impoverishing. So I think that we need to take electricity as priority, both for the businesses, both for the larger economy, and for household, human capital, education, health, and the so SMEs, so you can't even talk about uh, mitigating the world crisis with SME. At the same time, you don't have you know, reliable grids 
that will reduce cost of energy, which is about 30 to 40 percent or more of cost of production. So, so I, I think we need that level of intelligence and get tested persons with ideas, not just that they are, they are working with central engineers, people who have shown that they have ideas that are going to be prepared. There may be need for a presidential commission or committee of three experts to first quickly look at the underlying problem, rethink the framework, the policy framework, and create some simple to follow you know, roadmap again to start with minimizing outages and slippages so that we can even optimize the total power we have now. And then in the medium to long term, quick expansion of the grid in terms of distribution and generation and transmission. But in the short term, optimize, reduce inefficiency, reduce collapses, reduce slippages, reduce outages, so that Nigerians have more uptime power, even as we try to expand the grid all right. So I'd like to ask you this. The man in charge, the Minister of Power, um, Adelabu Adebayo, do you think that he can get the job done? I, I think alone he can't get the job done. There's no experience, uh, not much in this sector. But if he's capable, if he's, if, he's, if he's able to put together a team around himself of persons who are objective, honest, and have real insight, they can get a job done. I mean, the thing about leadership is not just about their own knowledge, it's about the ability to quick understand issues, get the right body team, hopefully make the right decision. And again, above all, people in the past sector have been tempted to think about projects they can do to make money, or, or to, or uh, they are more concerned with making money, and so they make silly mistakes. So if there's no hidden agenda, no um, pecuniary interest, that you can learn fast, you can get the right people, and you will make the right policy choice. So I think those are right. the conditions. So, yeah. can succeed. Okay. There is one thing that worries me, though, and this narrative, the fact that there are people who are benefiting for, from, Niger from the darkness in Nigeria, from the outages in Nigeria, do you have a sense that these cabals, if they exist truly within a power sector, you have operated in that sector before. For many Nigerians who are watching and listening tonight, do you have a sense that these people still have a stronghold if they do exist truly? That some people are benefiting from the darkness of Nigeria and not allowing Nigeria to experience um, uninterrupted power supply. Is that so? No, Cheryl, I, I don't believe, you know, when I was next, I said, look, the, the Kaba, people think the, the cameras of this world, the two importers are all good. No, they are not the Kaba. Yeah, they are taking advantage of the problem that we solve. The real problem is in terms of policy, the management of the network, the MDs, the government officials of any Saddam, who see the power sector, typical of Nigeria, public sector corruption. As a place for procurement. And I give an example. When I was a chairman and uh, my minister, and I used to, we used to hear about, okay, what, five billion to put in our farm. I would tell Mr. President, I, I don't think he would do that. You know, in a regulated market, those things should pass through like, We should look at relevance. Some of the projects you hear about are not relevant. Some of them are over bloated costs. 
So when we say we spend 200 million to strengthen transmission, it might be that only 30 percent of that 200 million actually went to real work. Probably if we spent 100 million, honestly, we could actually achieve more. So for me, the real cabal and the public officials who are extremely corrupt, who see the power sector as a place to do deals, the director of the business guys who are out there, they have like typical business guys, take advantage. So we need to have people in that policy who are not business people. I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong to have an investor, somebody who wants to run a power plant, somebody who wants to build a power plant to call it the best of power. I, I, I thought it was a, a wrong idea to have first persons. No, because they are thinking about privatize and by themselves. They're thinking about how to profit. Bring people who are technocrats, people who are committed to policy and who are not businessmen. You know, the notion that, oh, you need business leaders to, to run as ministers is not true. If you look at Asian concerns, it well. Because the, one of the failures of development policy is special interests. You need to have people who can work happily with business companies, but who are not themselves business people and themselves are not doing deals with them. That's the problem. So many of our project choices are wrong, but they are done because they that's a, a business to profit from them. So they recover actually corrupt public officials, not really the director uh, sellers who, who will who will change their business once you solve the problem. If you see some of them going to maybe microgrid, they'll move into uh, a better generation, they will take license. Some of them even have licenses. They will migrate to becoming directors or you know getting themselves the uh, value chain. That, that, that's my that's my thought. That's what so I, I like to I like to cap all the, this conversation in this way, uh, Doc. Um, that those who believe that if Tinubu is to succeed in terms of rejuvenating the economy, we need to produce. The heavy manufacturing companies need to have a sense of uh, of, of of a place of pride and a sense that they have an environment that they can really uh, operate in. And if those companies that Mr. Tunobu has gone to speak to uh, some Indians, investors too, and we are looking at foreign direct investment. All of these heavy uh, manufacturing companies, the, the heavy car manufacturing companies, the all of uh, these other ones, we need power to succeed. If you are to tell President Tunobu one thing tonight about fixing the power sector in Nigeria, uh, aside the views that he has signed and all what have you, what would that one thing be? The one thing I'll tell you that look, in the short term, put up a pressure tax team of power, made up of persons who are courageous, knowledgeable, and have no business link with the power sector. See, I can't emphasize form of development is special interest, corruption. It doesn't matter stealing money, it's about being compromised. You're already a business person. So get these guys. Their job will be to track the inefficiencies that need to be done in short term. In the long term, set up a new policy review team to look at Nigeria's reform went on the wrong way. It was based on propaganda, on, on ideology of market uh, fundamentalism. It doesn't work. It failed all over the world. You need to get government back to that business, but get government back in a way that supports investment and private sector and that lies in the market. So we need to rethink mm. the model and strengthen the project implementation 
processes. All right. Now, let me get one or two persons uh, so that we can wrap up on this uh, podcast. Uh, Mazi Inzako is uh, on. I don't know if you're ready to speak on the podcast. Your mic is on. Yes, sir. Good afternoon from here. Uh, doctor, good afternoon and good afternoon, Nigerians. Good afternoon. Uh, I think the biggest problem we have in our country, our beloved country, is because is the fact that there is no consequences for actions. People can do anything and get away with it. Any country that behaves that way will never come out of its problem anybody can be government whether you anybody can be anything because everywhere is porous there is loopholes in every sector of the government we have in nigeria so are you telling me that the spokesperson of the presidency does not know what the agreement was for him to come and lie to 200 millions of million nigerians and he is still working by this time you should have resigned and gone because you don't know what he's doing so these things will continue to happen these people are the same people that worked under buhari and we are bringing them moving them all of them to to tinubu's government and we think we are going to have any any form of change. No, everything will remain the same. I expected right. this president to come in and start, first of all, finding a way to unite the nation. The nation is divided. You can't rule a divided people. All right. Um, I, I, I like that, uh, Dr. Amadi. What I, I like you to wrap up and give us your views on what the submissions of everyone so that we can call it the day on the podcast. Well, I think the comments you made are correct. Uh, I like uh, the idea that uh, we should have a minister who is um, not corrupt. That means you have a small group to select from. Most of the people who are examples are corrupt. So very few are not corrupt and strong. Not with special interests and uh, smart enough to vote. Uh, secondly, I agree with him that uh, even the issue around Dubai, which is that today, ongoing push, and hopefully we'll get a result. But it's, it's, it's a warning to spokesperson. Politics, if I look attractive to lie and save posters for the moment, I mean, again, should not confuse rhetoric. Good, 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 good uh, gift of God, which makes sense to different things. Uh, speech is strategic. You don't just say anything, then say it and feel good, and then the impact will be boomerang against. Uh, speech should be strategic, you know, designed to address issues and build confidence. Of, of, so I think they felt this lesson. They felt this one. Then the you know, approach style, which is tell the truth, tell it all the time, tell it in a way that people, even if it's a bad news, will understand. In fact, you could have said all the printers done. The printers met with the president, right? Uh, you, the printers said this and said that. This is what I've agreed. The printers committed to ensure 
this works. I'm going to want this to happen. In a couple of days, I bet it's going to do everything. That will resonate with the people. They're saying, oh, hooray, you got this visa. And then two days after, no visa. No, that bad. That's bad company. So I guess going forward, lessons from certain end. The people need truth, uh, like John always said. Government is the act of telling them Thank you so much, Dr. Amadi. I really appreciate well, the government must see power supply as very crucial to economic recovery in a situation where business are struggling to stay afloat after the removal of subsidy. Dealing with a terrible outage will only make a bad situation worse. On the other issue, diplomatic issues require diplomacy. It's obvious that, as they may sound, it is the basis of intergovernmental relationships. There are lines of communication, and that should not be trivialized. In is Nigeria government learning from its own mistakes and previous administrations? Well, Albert Eisenhower once said, the only mistake in life is the lesson not learned. On that note, we'll wrap up on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for being part of the conversation. Dr. Sam Amadi, a former chairman of the Electricity Res Regulation Commission, thank you so much indeed for your time on the podca podcast. And I thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, until next week, I'll see you again, everyone. I'm Shion Wakimale. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast with Shion Okimbaloi. Mike on Podcast for the independent mind.